High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. The BRICS Summit. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's so funny because we've spoken about it so much that I actually thought it had already even happened, which, which is absolutely not the case. Either way, we want to uh, get a little bit more information, talk more about it, and understand this whole notion of strange bedfellows, South Africa and Russia, the strange bedfellows, ties between Russia and the ANC remain strong despite historical and ideological shifts that logically should have caused them to part company along time ago. Uh, what is it about this relationship? Sandile Swana, he is a political analyst. Good morning. Thanks for joining us so bright and early. How are you? I'm good. Good morning to your listeners. Good morning. So it, it really does, you know, whereas there was, of course, the the past and the assistance during the struggle against apartheid. The truth is that was the USSR. It wasn't Russia. But even that being the case, Ideologically and from a human rights perspective, certainly, Russia shouldn't be South Africa's first choice of friend, and yet it seems to be. Yes, I think that uh, it's important for all of us as South Africans, first of all, to recognize that as early as 2013, at least, uh, South Africa had entered into a formal cooperation agreement with Russia, which is a comprehensive strategic agreement, with a number of areas of cooperation between South Africa as a country and uh, Russia. Mm-hmm. So some of those would be in science and technology, the military, and so on. There's a list of these things that are there. And they've been working actively uh, in, in implementing those things that are in that agreement. So what then becomes a bit tricky is that mm-hmm. a lot of us enter this debate uh, since the start of the special operations by the Russian Federation in uh, Ukraine. So people may think that this has happened in the past 24 months that South Africa has been there. And right. in the Comprehensive Strategic Agreement, There is a very important clause there that actually guides what happens now, which was at that time they basically entered into a non-aggression pact. In other words, the Republic of South Africa would not join in on any side if Russia were to be in, in any conflict with anybody. So similarly, the Russian Federation cannot participate uh, in on any side or support any enemies of South Africa. So it's a, it's a non-aggression pact, if you want to call it that. So uh, so if we wanted to object to this and stop it, probably we should have started long, long ago, not now, because right now, when we are supposed to deliver the goods on a contract that you entered in 2013, Right now, you want to come up with stories and you are not delivering. So if Mm. all of us were serious about this, we should have objected to the entry of South Africa into that agreement in 2013. Right now, the present government is bound by that agreement and they've got to continue with it. Not that they entered it Mm. unconsciously. Mm. Mm. Not that they entered it unconsciously. They entered it consciously. The, The problem is that 
the position that South, Africa's, South Africans find themselves in, find ourselves in, is we're constantly watching around to see what is going on with government. And it's very difficult to uh, police government the way we actually need to. So well, hold on, what is that agreement about? Should I be reading that agreement to understand why we're entering into that with Russia? What really lies be, be behind it? It's, it's, it's an impossible ask. And, and the problem is there's almost an assumption that we can't trust anything that government is doing because we don't really know what the agenda or motivation is. You see, you know, I'll use uh, uh, an example, whether mm. it's appropriate or not, it's another issue. <laughs> but usually what you are told is that your lack of knowledge of that law cannot be a defense. Yes, if you live in course. the Republic of South Africa mm. and you do something, let's say you drive at uh, 116 and 80 kilometer zone and, and you said then your defense is that you didn't even know that that was prohibited. Mm or people who dam water. I think there was a case during the droughts where it was found that there are people who've created unlawful dams. You know, it always appears like a good idea to mm. build a dam mm. in your farm or something like that. But actually the law, you cannot build any dam that is not authorized by the state or even sink a borehole that is not properly authorized. So you can't then at that time when you are being questioned about that and say, I did not know. So even myself, you know, as as I do this work of analyzing governance, analyzing politics, uh, for instance, I have to ask myself with honesty and say, Sandile, have you read enough about ESCOM to mm. comment on mm. this? Mm. Uh, but constitutionally, uh, in a republic, it is my duty to read everything that I need to read. I cannot say that uh, that thing went on without my knowledge when in fact it was put in the government gazette it is published everywhere on the website it's there i just chose to go and play golf or to go and do something else rather than sit down and read all of this thing mm. now to your point the fact of the matter is that if we are all sincere right now uh, for instance i mean i've just been reading this uh pact now that uh, or at least the highlights of the pact that came out of this multi-party uh, charter they make a statement there that uh, they are going to base the if they win government south africa has got to affiliate to a free market uh, story a mm. free market uh, ideological position if the ANC were to write that pact and the EFF, they are going to tell you that uh, you, they've got to uh, 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 adopt the model of a developmental state with socialist orientation. So what has happened in South Africa and what is happening in a more pronounced way is that those who are pro-USA NATO are going to be promoting a free market pro-NATO stance those who belong to the Marxist-Leninist perspective, the socialist, the developmental state, are going to be promoting a pro-BRICS, pro-Russia, pro-China stance. And now, you and I can argue until we are blue in the face about this. But that is where things are, and mm. that's where things have always been. In South Africa, we've always been divided between those who are pro-the West and those who are pro-the East, and so on and so forth. And that is where we are. These 
things are now waking up again and they are so presenting an themselves as they truly are. So are you saying that fundamentally this Russia discussion, the moonshot discussion, all of this boils down to a fundamental question of what our approach is with regard to free market or socialism, West, uh, uh, you know, West country, West or, or undeveloped, etc. Is that really what you're saying? It, it's almost like we're in a battle right now for the direction that the country is going to take. And the ANC have confused us because they in many ways are, are very socialist or Marxist, but in many ways talk about uh, the you know boosting the economy and privatizing you know all of these types of things that uh, that are adhere to another system. But are you saying essentially that that is what this is about? Uh, objectively, this is the resurgence of the Cold War, uh, if you want to put it as bluntly as possible. Mm. And South Africans are reverting to their old position. Interesting. Now coming to the ANC. The ANC, and Helen Zither has correctly characterized the ANC. The ANC at this juncture has got no consistent ideology, no consistent set of values, no consistent set of principles. Mm. Opportunistically, if you look at what is going on, and I'll I'll leave it in your hands, even the so-called privatization, Mm. even the so-called privatization by the ANC, is not as innocent as it might look. It goes directly to the hands of the oligarchs of the Mm, ANC themselves. mm, mm. So you might say there's privatization, or is it just privatization in the sense that I'm taking this for myself? I'm not privatizing it to the market. I'm privatizing in the sense that we as the comrades are taking this thing for ourselves. Very, very interesting. So if you look at the parties that are behind and that benefit from privatization, whether it was the Elephant Consortium, the Telcom, uh, and the current ones that in, in, in SAA, these are ANC people. They are not privatizing mm. so that Shamini and Kuzwayo and Murolong are benefiting. People, just ordinary guys out there who are in the private sector, ordinary citizens, whatever the case might be, or or Hunevald, or some other mm, chap mm, uh, mm. from Pofada is benefiting. No, these are well-known, highly connected individuals who are physically in bed with the ANC. So, yeah. uh, so, so you, you, you need to be very careful how mm, you mm. interpret those things. And I go along with Helen Ziller when he says the ANC is an ideological mess. And it can only be because over the years they've admitted all sorts of criminals into the membership, all sorts of careerists, opportunists, uh, and so on and so forth. So, so to, for you to try and characterize the ANC in the true sense, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of things. Very interesting. Unfortunately, it is 7.01, so I do need to stop the interview there, but very, very interesting, and uh, it, it certainly gives it a bit of a different perspective as far as I'm concerned, and uh, I kind of like the way uh, this is being characterized. Sandile Swan, a political analyst, thank you for your thoughts. 7.01, good morning.